Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hello and welcome to the Farm Traveler Podcast. I am your host, Trevor Williams, and today on the show, we are going to learn a thing or two about how Florida farmers are protecting water and protecting other environmental resources here in the Sunshine State. So if you are a longtime listener of the show, you might remember today's guest. We actually had her on back with episode 10, so uh, almost like three years ago, and her name is Casey Hilliard. She works for the This Farm Cares program with Florida Farm Bureau and CARES actually stands, it's an acronym, it stands for County Alliance for Responsible Environmental Stewardship. So the program is all about recognizing Florida farmers and ranchers that are protecting natural resources on their farmland, and they're implementing best management practices. And so Casey's on the show today talking about all the great things the CARES program is doing, and specifically how Farm Bureau is putting on a National Water Quality Month. And this month, specifically here in Florida with Florida Farm Bureau, Casey and the gang will be talking or will be demonstrating and really educating people throughout the state on how farmers are protecting water, ways they are reducing runoff, they are reducing um, evaporation. We're going to learn so much this month about how Florida farmers are reducing their environmental footprint and helping save water. Because... It doesn't matter if you're in North Florida, South Florida, Central Florida, wherever. Water is really a hot-button issue here in the state. I mean, if if you're here in North Florida, we have like a water war going on with Georgia and Alabama. And really, it's been going on for years because the Apalachicola gets most of its water from Atlanta. And so, you know, because there's a couple million people in Atlanta alone, when they need water, they turn on the dam or they close the dam. I don't really know how it works. But um, they do that, and then that severely cuts off water to South Georgia, South Alabama, and the Florida Panhandle. And that war has been going on for a while. And then you look at South Florida and Central Florida, 
you've got huge population rises around, you know, Orlando, Tampa, Miami, and then also around those communities, you've got a lot of farms that are also trying to get water. And so it's, you know, a water war. And so we're going to learn more about the CARES program, about National Water Quality Month and what they're doing. And I really hope you enjoyed this episode. I think it was really cool to, to catch up with Casey and see what she's doing with the CARES program and also learn more about Florida farmers and the whole ecosystem and how we are still working on ever improving agriculture and reducing our um, footprint on the environment. So if you're in Florida or if you just want to learn more about the program, go to thisfarmcares.org and also check out the link in the description of this podcast and you'll see a bunch of really cool links and content for this week for National Water Quality Month. Um, Casey talks in the episode, they're going to do some Instagram um, videos on their Instagram for Florida Farm Bureau, where they will have farmers take over and kind of demonstrate what they're doing on the farm and specifically what they're doing to help with all these water issues. So I hope you enjoy this episode. This is episode 116 with Casey Hilliard, and we are going to talk about National Water Quality Month. And a quick note, you might notice my audio sounds weird. That's because I accidentally recorded the audio on the web camera instead of on this Yeti mic. So that's why it might sound weird. Casey's audio is great. Mine sounds weird. So yeah, just FYI. So hope you enjoy it, and thanks so much for listening. All right, well, Casey Hilliard, welcome to the Farm Traveler Podcast again. How are you doing? Doing well. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so we were just chatting. Um, we had you on for episode 10, so it's been like 105 episodes. So it's kind of cool. We're going to learn more about what CARES is doing and all that stuff. So before we dive into that, give us a quick little background again about what the whole CARES program is. Absolutely. So Florida Farm Bureau's CARES program is a statewide stewardship recognition program. Uh, it's been in existence for uh, just over 20 years. We're actually uh, post-COVID, you know, we're going to try to celebrate our 20th anniversary in person, hopefully in September. Uh, but this program really is that feel good. Thank you for farmers and ranchers and their extensive efforts to protect our environment. And Farm Bureau, along with the Swanee River Partnership, created it. Uh, to to just help raise awareness for what farmers and ranchers are doing to reduce water use, uh, reduce fertilizer and chemical use, and ultimately protect water quality, which is going to be a lot about what we talk about today. So that's hey. a little program. Yeah, that's awesome. So August is the start of National Water Quality Month. And I know here in Florida, water is a hot commodity. It's super important to our ecosystem, to farmers, to um, residents and stuff like that. So what exactly are you guys doing for National Water Quality Month to kind of raise awareness for what farmers are doing for water? Yeah, so it definitely is a, an annual campaign. And to be honest, it typically, especially on the national level, does not do a good job of incorporating agriculture's contributions for water quality protection and, and those efforts that are involved. And so uh, as, as we've participated each year, I've tried to really grow our presence of agricultural related content during, uh, during this month when so many other campaigns are going on. And 
I just felt that this year, you know, with with such an increased use of social media, thanks to mm. it, um, you know, we have even more followers than than we have ever had before. And many, I, I would say about two thirds of them are considered our non-agricultural audience. So we just have a perfect opportunity to get online and really use a variety of resources and techniques and and partnerships like the one we have with you, with the Farm Traveler, to uh, just help raise awareness for uh, the water quality issues themselves and just, you know, driving home that message that farmers and ranchers care deeply about the environment and here are specific stories that we can share to show you what they're doing to not only protect the water, but actually clean it up in most cases. There you go. Yeah, I know like there's been a lot of water quality issues right now with like red tide and all that stuff going on. And I've seen a lot of message boards talking about um, some people will say it's farmers and then some people say it's residents also because, you know, we're all trying to get that perfect lawn. And so it's do you think that the average consumer thinks that all the water problems we have here in Florida is because of farmers? I think there is definitely a lot of media and a lot of hype that has targeted farmers. I do think over the last year or so, septics have become mm -hmm. a conversation which has lessened the target towards farmers and ranchers. I also think our land grant institution has done a really good job of bringing the science. Like anytime there's a red tide case, next thing you know, you know, you're seeing on your newsfeed the science from UF IFAS talking about hey, this is really how red tide is, you know, how it begins. It starts out in the Gulf and then it moves inland. Um, it, it's not necessarily being caused from a, you know, inland issue itself. Um, so I think, you know, there's definitely a target, but we do have some good allies who are coming to, uh, coming to our assistance for sure. Well, that's good. So what are some ways that farmers are kind of saving water here in Florida? I mean, I know I've talked to a bunch of farmers here in the state and our soil is not perfect. It's very sandy. And so any water that goes in, it's usually going to not stay there for long. And so water is super hard to get. It's going to evaporate because it's so hot here. So what are some tools farmers are doing to kind of save water? Because it's, I'm sure, a very hard process to do. Yeah, so the technologies for uh, saving water just continue to advance and, and become even more accessible to producers. So really, since the last time we talked, uh, soil moisture sensors have become, I mean, a, just a normal, a normal thing, a normal standard for uh, a farmer or a rancher even to have on their property and use as a tool to uh, monitor water use and hopefully dial in that practice. Uh, I do think it's important to always remind folks, though, that just like us as homeowners are always watching our water consumption. You know, we don't want that electric bill to continue mm -hmm. to rise based on water use. Uh, farmers are the same way. They're having to pay for those pumps to run, for those center pivots to use electricity and, and pump out water. And so it really is part of being a good business owner and, and having to, or in an attempt to reduce cost to really watch how they're using water because it relates to their bottom line. And so, um, you know, they're very careful because they don't want to pay for something that really is not doing anything but causing damage, right? Too much of a good thing can, can be a bad thing. And in this case, if you're over irrigating, 
you're not going to get your yield. You're, you're going to have erosion and risk of erosion. And so, um, you know, there definitely is just that general understanding that, uh, you know, like any good business owner or even a homeowner, like in my example, you know, they're very cognizant of the amount of money they're spending to pump water and how mm -hmm. it ultimately affects their, their crops and their bottom line. Um, I will say though, that we have seen a lot of producers, uh, really invest in, um, with their irrigation systems, uh, nozzles. So, you know, exactly where the water, you know, drips out of the pipe where, you know, is it hitting the roots? Is it hitting the top of the plant? You know, really pinpointing um, where that water needs to go. And so by investing in, you know, the most up-to-date and uh, innovative type nozzles, whether, you know, you're growing strawberries or you've got a pivot and you're growing potatoes, you know, whatever it is, um, using those low flow nozzles and just like I said, those just those new technologies really allow farmers to uh, dial in their water use. Gotcha. And that makes me think of, I think it was like five or six years ago, the tree teepee on, um, on Shark Tank. I mean, that was that was a, a Florida farmer, wasn't it? It was. It was. He's actually from my hometown. <laughs> oh, no way. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it, it was such <laughs> yeah. a cool idea. He made this little thing that went around um, the, the trunks of like an orange grove and it keeps the water from evaporating. It keeps mm -hmm. the water from overspraying. And so, I mean, that's such a cool thing. And that's something farmers are doing to help reduce um, water runoff and evaporation. That, that's so cool. He's from your hometown, too. Small world. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The 4R the program, when you said that, that that helps me relate to that program as well that uh, has really become such a hit with our producers. And David Royal helps head up uh, that program throughout the state. And he's got a lot of partnerships to help uh, producers understand, uh, you know, not only water use, but fertilizer and chemical use. And um, it's really just a comprehensive set of practices that they're, uh, they're getting to learn about from him. I can imagine. Yeah. I remember that was that went viral. I mean, years ago, and it was one of those things where it goes viral, and the whole industry is like, "Yes, this is the good content that needs to go viral." Mm -hmm. And the great part is that I mean, everybody on Shark Tank loved him. They were like, "You're so ingenuitive. This is such a good product." Mm -hmm. And he made a deal on there, didn't he? He did. Hey, that's not bad. What he was his did. name? I, I got to look him up. And um, hey, that, that could be another oh, guest gosh. for the show. Now to put you on the spot. No, no, I just had his name on the tip of my tongue, too. Oh, I feel so bad. He, he and my dad are good friends. Oh, I feel so bad. I can't remember. Oh, no, you're good. I'm Googling it. Let's minute. see. I just typed in Citrus Tree Guy TP. Uh, Johnny Georges of Arcadia. Johnny Georges. Thank hey, you. There we go. All right. I'm going to have to reach out to him, have him on the show. Yes, so cool. he would love that. <laughs> So, yeah, you brought up something kind of helping reduce um, like sprinklers and stuff. Anytime I'm going around and running errands, I can't tell you how many times I see like at the hospital today, for example, I was driving by and the sprinklers were on when it was raining at 1 p.m. And it's been on like that a bunch. And is there anything that Farm Bureau is kind of doing to help consumers kind of figure out how that they can reduce their own water footprint, I guess? Yeah, so Farm Bureau definitely partners with UF IFAS, especially at the local level. I, I will say that our our county Farm Bureaus do a great job of partnering with their local extension offices. And uh, the Florida Friendly Landscape Program is, uh, you know, just been such a help for, for homeowners. And 
it certainly is a resource for uh, for our county farm bureaus to use even as well. Uh, but I think it ultimately just stems back to the need for general education. Um, I know that Farm Bureau uh, tries to accomplish this, especially through policy and implementation of policy. Um, and so, you know, there's definitely, um, you know, our take on, you know, where, where we stand and where we think there's opportunities for consumers to, um, to do a better job with their, with their lawns and their landscapes. But I, I definitely am going to default to Florida Friendly Landscape because they, they have the better messaging um, and they've been able to really reach a lot of parts of our state with that program. That's awesome. Yeah, the consumer side of IFAS is always super cool to learn more about. I mean, there's programs for teaching kids like how to eat better, after school programs and stuff like that. Of course, there's 4-H and then there's like the, the Florida friendly, friendly um, landscapes, which is actually really cool. I had a friend, Daniel Leonard, he's the IFAS director yeah. in Calhoun County. Yeah, he I've learned a lot from him, had him on the show a couple of times. Mm -hmm. So yeah, IFAS is awesome. Um, so are there any examples that you can tell us of farmers that are doing some great things with water quality that you guys are trying to kind of showcase throughout the state? Yeah, absolutely. And I really want to focus on just one example for today, if that's okay. So uh, with our plans for this water quality campaign, it's a five-week campaign. It'll run the entire month of August, and it literally runs right up to our uh, Swanee Cares event that we host every year that we had to reschedule due to COVID. Hopefully we'll be able to do in person, but it'll be just such a good momentum builder. Uh, but it has been a while since we have debuted any new highlight videos that feature uh, specific producers and their families. And the one that we are debuting next Monday, so August 2nd, Bright and early in the morning, we are debuting a story featuring uh, a father and son from St. Lucie County uh, down in southeast Florida. Uh, they're just northeast of the lake, so very close to Lake Okeechobee, down there in the middle of all of the water quality issues. Mm -hmm. And for, oh my gosh, now, almost almost six decades, uh, Mr. Brant Sherrard Sr., as well as his son, Brant Sherrard Jr., have worked together uh, ever since the Sherrard family came to Florida and started a career in agriculture, specifically in citrus production. Uh, Mr. Brant Sr. Uh, purchased property there in St. Lucie County, and as he, you know, really grew his production and his operation. Um, he saw an opportunity to work with the state of Florida, to work with his local water management district, to help protect the resources and the wildlife and the land itself on their property. And, and so mm -hmm. he has been involved uh, with major citrus corporations like Blue Goose Growers. Uh, Mr. Brandt and his son, Brandt Jr., have, you know, just for their whole careers have been intentional about protecting water quality on their family's property. Uh, they very much consider it a preserve. And the, the property, as you'll see in the video, actually backs up to Quail Creek Plantation, which is known for all of the wildlife and the game that get brought in. Uh, it's, you know, it's obviously used for a hunting and sporting lodge and things like that. But 
when you get out onto the Sherrard's property, you will actually see uh, a series of reservoirs that are, are very different than retention ponds. So they're, they're not, their purpose is not to just hold water, but to actually help move water and filter it. And so, I mean, there will be reservoirs that are several miles in size. I mean, they're just massive. And it will take you, you know, 30 minutes to drive around the whole, the whole. Wow, that's crazy. Um, You'll see, yeah, you'll see in the video. It's so cool. They're large, um, you know, heads of trees, cypress heads, and um, just so much native vegetation that as water is getting pumped in. And so I think it's important. I need to address where is this water coming from? Well, it's coming off of their citrus groves. Hmm. It's coming also from neighboring landowners. And so as water is coming in and it most likely contains some type of excessive nutrient uh, of some kind, as it moves throughout the series of reservoirs, it is, it is getting trapped and it's getting filtered out in a way that is, you know, literally cleaning it up. And once, once the water is done traveling and moving throughout each reservoir, it is then pumped out off the property and it goes into one of the major sea canals that goes over to the coast and then empties out into the ocean. And so I think it's just such an incredible story to share because here, this is a father and son who have been in the citrus industry their whole lives. It's what their family has grown up around, but they are so much more than citrus growers. And you know, when I sat down and started preparing this campaign, I, I thought back to um, a CARES recipient by the name of Ken Harrison, who's actually from my hometown as well. Uh, he he said to me a few years back, he said, you know, Casey, I am 90% land manager and I'm 10% cattle rancher. Hmm. Just that has stuck with me from that very day because I've always just assumed that cattle ranching, you know, is something that takes work on a daily basis, but it it really is the management of our resources. And so for this story of the Sherrard family, this father and son to to go out on family property every day and work to protect wildlife, work to protect their habitats, work to literally clean up, I'm talking millions of gallons of water every time those pumps turn on and that water is getting moved throughout those reservoirs I think that is just such an incredible story that is that needs to be told. It's not just worth being told, but it it needs to be told. And so it really is kind of the the head of this entire campaign. And it's why we're, you know, kicking it off at the beginning. And then we're going to follow it up with, you know, just some other major activities that are really important to our to our cause and to uh, the reason why we're celebrating this month. But um I think for me, you know, when we talk about improving water quality or protecting water quality, I just, I, I don't know that I can find a better example than than what the Sherrard family is doing. And I'm just so proud that they allowed us to capture their story. And, and it was so sweet because Mr. Brant Jr., the only reason he agreed to let me come do this video with him is so that he could honor his father. Mm. And Oftentimes in agriculture, especially when we talk about environmental stewardship, we're, we're trying to leave things better for the future. 
And in this case, you know, Brant Jr. is certainly trying to work to preserve the land and its resources so that his kids can one day take over. But at the same time, he's also continuing the work that he's doing to honor what his father has been able to accomplish as well. Uh, so just just an incredible story. They're an incredible family, and uh, I can tell you even more about them. But um, yeah, we can also talk about what what is also what else we're doing with the campaign too. Yeah, that sounds like an awesome operation to kind of kick things off with. I mean, they're essentially doing like a super huge natural filter for the water instead of just like letting it run off. Um, I mean. Yeah. What are some other examples? I mean, that one's going to be hard to beat. I mean, that's so cool. And I think that more consumers need to know about that one for sure. Yeah. So we really have um, what we've put together and, and we'll definitely share this um, once the the episode airs. Um, we'll share the calendar, but we're really just trying to feature um, not only our program's efforts to raise awareness for water quality, but we are also trying to promote American Farm Bureau and their sustainability initiative. Uh, they've got a lot of great resources on their website. It features specific members from across the nation as well. Uh, so I definitely want folks to check that out. Uh, but really during week two and week three, you're going to see us feature very specific recipients and they're all different. I really tried to go in and find examples of practices that are all different from one another. So excuse me, we're going to kick things off on Tuesday the 10th. Uh, we're going to feature Likes Brothers, which is down in um, South Florida as well. Um, again, another major water quality treatment project. Uh, their, their project specifically cleans up septic water. Mm -hmm. So septic water coming from the Kissimmee Basin down into their treatment areas and they're cleaning up that water. So again, one of those stories, I just feel like we have to tell. Um, but then we're gonna also talk about folks that are using solar energy, like Ben White up in the Panhandle, um, Anna Jameson in Sumter County, who is using recycling uh, on water with her greenhouses. Uh, they're a citrus nursery. Uh, Traders Hill up in Nassau County, uh, they have an aquaponics operation. So again, they're they're not only, you know, doing the whole recycling effort, but they're also taking efforts to um, clean that water up while feeding their plants at the same time. So it's really neat. Um, and so then the, the following week, <coughs> excuse me, we've got another set of recipients that, again, are just using different technologies um, on their farms. That's really neat. Um, I, I always love, I might be a little bit biased because I've always been in Florida, but um, I love the diversity of Florida agriculture. I mean, you've got timber farms up here that are, have water issues. You've got aquaponics throughout the state. You've got orange groves, beef cattle operations. I mean, every operation in Florida is going to be different. And I feel like they are all having their own kind of issues when it comes to water. But do you feel like there's one part of the state that has more issues than the other? I definitely think that, uh, that South Florida definitely um, has a large target on it. I mean, I mean every time... You know, guys like Brian Mast get on, you know, get out in the media or the governor is coming down to help, you know, mm -hmm. you know, to be in support of a cleanup project down there. Um, you know, the the media seems to really monopolize 
on that area. Uh, but at the same time, there are water quality issues in other parts of the state. Uh, I think our water management districts do a great job of helping uh, assist producers with projects through cost share and through grants and different programs they have to, um, you know, to help them implement uh, efforts that clean up the water or dial in their fertilizer and chemical use and things like that. Um, we definitely, you know, the Farm Bureau as an organization supports IFAS and their efforts to uh, just continue to improve research and, and serve as a resource for producers as well. Mm, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, you've got to think about South Florida. There's so many more people in South Florida. Of course, you get Miami, Orlando, Fort Lauderdale, Tampa. And also, there's a lot more people down there. There's also a lot of farms down there. So there's a lot of people down there fighting over water. And then up here in the Panhandle, we've got the Apalachicola. And for as long as I've known, there's been a huge water war going on between Florida, Georgia, and Alabama. And so when that water is coming down from Atlanta, if they shut off the dam to get more water for people in Atlanta, then we're kind of screwed down here. Like we don't get nearly as much water and it affects not only um, the residents, but also farms up here. So I mean, there's so many issues going on that I feel like the normal consumer doesn't know about, but the typical farmer here in Florida is hindered by a lot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. And um, ultimately, you know, farmers and ranchers are already, we hate to use the word regulated, but, are already, you know, combating regulations and are already dealing with, you know, just just how burdensome those can be, um, you know, and so they're trying to get involved in as many voluntary programs as possible. Um, but as our industry continues to change, as our government continues to change, um, you know, farmers and ranchers are just some of the most resilient people that you and I both know. And so, you know, we're confident that they will adapt, but it does always come at a cost. Um, and it, it is hard that, you know, here folks in your area, you know, they're already having to, you know, honor the, the water permit that they have, but to be told, you know, hey, you've been given your permit, but you really can't use it. Mm -hmm. um, it's got to be very disheartening. And, you know, I, I've specifically seen a lot of those dry land farmers that when it doesn't rain, I mean, the crop just, you know, can't grow to its maximum yield like they need it to. And, um, and so I think from a regulatory standpoint and, and even just a mother nature standpoint, <laughs> the challenge just is endless. Oh yeah, that's true. That's a very, very good point. So if a farmer wanted to improve their water quality, if they wanted to somehow address it, uh, what would you recommend for them? Like reach out to IFAS, reach out to the Farm Bureau, reach out and see what their farming friends are doing. What, what would be your advice there? Yeah. I mean, that's the beauty of it is, is, you know, technology and the lovely World Wide Web gives us resources at the tips of our fingers. But I would definitely, you know, encourage producers to reach out to their county farm bureaus because they're going to be able to connect them to their land grant, uh, to, you know, that local governmental staff who oversees that region. Uh, they're they're going to kind of know who to get connected with. And so, uh, you know, we definitely partner, especially our CARES program, we partner with the, the Department of Agriculture's Best Management Practices Program through mm -hmm. Office of Water Policy. Say that five times fast. Yeah, and, uh, too difficult. <laughs> and, you know, so we definitely have a partnership with them for the BMP program. And that, of course, assists producers um, 
But then in addition to that, you have, you know, a lot of your IFAS programs that just help give good quality research and recommendations. And then they're also as a part of those BMP majors. Um, so if people want to follow and if they want to see what's going on with Water Quality Month, if they want to follow the CARES program, where can they go to kind of see all this content and learn more about what Florida Farm Bureau and even really what Florida farmers are doing? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, definitely check out thisfarmcares.org as well as floridafarmbureau.org. Um, obviously, social media, you can access, you know, the most current information and, and campaigns that we're doing uh, across our platforms. So our handle is This Farm Cares. And then Florida Farm Bureau's handle is FLA Farm Bureau. But in regards to Water Quality Month, uh, I don't want to forget that one of the really exciting things that we're doing on the 16th, 23rd, and 30th, which are all Mondays, we are having Instagram takeovers. So people definitely will want to tune in as they see real producers in action. We're having, we have one producer that will be uh, on the Hill in DC lobbying for Water Quality Month to his elected officials. Uh, we'll have Miss Brittany Lee out on her family's blueberry farm, taking this around, looking at um, her recovery system, which is a, a very large water recycling. I think I said it correctly. Oh gosh, sorry, it just lost me. <laughs> okay, sorry. So yeah, uh, Brittany Lee, her family's Blueberry Farm, uh, they have a huge water quality and water recycling program. Mm -hmm. uh, but then also uh, Dr. Charles Barrett, as well as the Swanee River Partnership coordinator, Kelly All and a lot of the IFAS staff up in Live Oak at the Suwannee Valley Research Center, uh, they are going to be doing a takeover as well to show us all the different research projects that they have going on up in Live Oak. So uh, those takeovers, especially on Instagram and then the Facebook stories uh, each Monday will be really cool to follow. That's awesome. Yeah, I love watching um, Instagram takeovers because you'll follow this page. Like I'm pretty sure I follow, follow Farm Bureau on Farm Traveler. And every now and then it'll be a random farmer or something that's doing a takeover and you really get to see like what's going on. And then of course you can follow them on social media and usually they're doing a great job also of mm -hmm. highlighting what's going on. So I know social media sometimes gets a bad rap, but I feel like it's been super powerful for farmers because you can actually see firsthand what's going on. Absolutely. I even saw, I've seen lately on TikTok. I don't do TikToks. Please let me prep. <laughs> But I have seen where farmers are taking to TikTok because that is that younger generation that really is now four and five generations removed from the farm. And they're making these videos where they basically show you how to not farm peanuts. And then it, by the end of the video, you know, they help clarify, you know, hey, this chemical that got sprayed in my face, this, you know, you see it didn't harm me. It's not going to harm the peanuts, so it's not going to harm the product that you're going to eat at the end of the day. And, and just really cool ways to educate on a platform that is so trendy right now. Yeah, it's super trendy. I haven't I haven't made any TikToks yet. I don't understand it, but it's I super, should. super helpful. Yeah, we should. I know one of our past <laughs> guests, Shay Myers, he does all the onion stuff and he has, I think, like two or three million followers on TikTok or something. <gasps> He's got like wow. tens of millions of views. It's it's crazy. There's a business I'll, out there. I sure. will share his then. <laughs> hey, there you go. Yeah, he's, he's pretty good. All right. Well, Casey, I'm excited to see what happens with National Water Quality Month with Farm Bureau. Super excited to see what Florida farmers are doing. 
I know times have been crazy with COVID, so I'm glad we're slowly getting the swing of things. And I hope um, everything kind of continues to go well with you guys. I can't wait to see all the great content you're going to make out this month and excited to follow along. Yes. Well, thank you, Trevor. We we appreciate being, being able to partner with you on this. And we definitely will give you as much shout out as we can and help promote uh, your podcast. We think it is such a valuable resource and tool for our members. So many of them have told me they listen to your podcast. So, oh, that's awesome. Thank you. Come back for a second episode. We'll get some more some more followers for you too. Deal. Yeah. Heck yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, Thank Casey, you. best of luck and can't wait to see um, what you guys are going to do. So we'll be in touch. Appreciate it. Thank you. Anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern, presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV.